The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about all sorts of privacy issues, and including such things as those security breaches that we hear about all the time. And we are welcoming back one of the, well, she is probably our very favorite guest. We have her on at least once a year, and we just had her on recently. And we had such a wonderful conversation that we decided we had to finish some of the great things that we were talking about. So I want to tell you about Beth Gibbs who is the founder and executive director of the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse in San Diego. And it was established 25 years ago in 1992. The PRC is a nationwide nonprofit consumer information and advocacy organization that I said is in beautiful San Diego, California. And the organization invites consumer complaints and questions about privacy. Its website provides more than 50 consumer guides, which we're going to talk about some of those things that you might not have even thought you needed to learn about. Um, And they have that on their website and all sorts of information, privacy issues. And you can find that at privacyrights.org. Beth and the PRC represent consumers' interests in public policy proceedings at the state and federal levels. And she co-authored a chapter on identity theft with me, Uh, in Protection and Security and Safeguards. That was back in 2013. She has also written the Privacy Rights Handbook. And she and I wrote another booklet called Privacy Piracy, which gave me the name for this wonderful um, radio show that we've had since 2005. Now, prior to her work as a wonderful consumer advocate, she was a librarian specializing in network development and resource sharing. She has a master's degree from the University of Southern California Annenberg School for Communication and a master's degree in library and information services from the University of Denver. And she also is an international, uh, she belongs to the International Association of Privacy professionals, which is really the largest organization in the world to really focus on privacy issues. So thank you again, Beth, for coming back. Well, thank you, Mari. It's great to be back. Let's talk. Just I want people to to just know all of the wonderful things that they can get in those consumer guides. I just I just love it. Can you want to just tell a few of them? Yeah, sure. And and thank you for mentioning our our website address. We've been writing these consumer guides 
guides since 1992, and of course, keeping them up to date as well. But we cover um, issues that involve the, the use of your personal information. So we've got um, guides that have a lot of privacy tips as well as information on privacy laws when there are privacy laws. And by the way, you know, Mari, that there are a lot of a lot of situations that consumers are in where there's no privacy law, at least not in the United States. But um, here, it, financial privacy, credit reports, uh, those are big um, topics on our website where we have both tips and information about laws, medical privacy, um, data breaches. That's a, a big one for us. We probably will return to that um, yes. in just a bit. Identity theft, and, of course, you and I worked on that back in 1996, and you've helped mm-hmm. us a great deal in the materials that we have on our website on that topic. Uh, another popular uh, topic that we have a guide on is social security numbers and, you know, and how just how secure are they? Of course, we all know that they're not very secure. <laughs> right. Which is, actually, it's a real tragedy. It should never have happened. Right. Um, but that goes back into history all the way to Franklin, you know, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Um, online privacy and security is a big area on our website in terms of tips. And uh, another big one is data brokers and, and these people search websites. We get a lot of complaints from the public on on that topic. In fact, yes. it's been probably our top topic of complaint for about 10 years now, and it's a real shame that there's no federal law um, that regulates data brokers and gives individuals some control, but there isn't, and it's, it's, it's a difficult issue. Um, we also get into telephone issues, both cellular phones and smartphones, uh, and of course the whole issue of telemarketing, where there is a federal law and a pretty good one. Um, and then the, uh, we have online shopping and then finally workplace privacy. So we cover a lot of territory. Oh, and I think especially because we're on the campus of the University of California, that it's so important that these young people, when they go out to look for a job, that they read your your guides on employment and employment background checks because... Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up, Mari. That's one of the areas where we have, I think, some unique information for consumers that there's just not a lot of places on the Internet to go and, and learn about your rights with employment background checks. And there's really quite a bit to know. You, you, and anyone who's applying for a job, even volunteers, um, should uh, read that guide and just become familiar with your rights. Exactly. And I had told you recently how UCI, because I'm a, I'm a, a host here, I had to do a background check, and oh. I couldn't even get a copy of it. <laughs> They took yeah. my, you know, my live scan. Luckily, everything is good, and I know because I'm a sheriff reserve. I have to do that every few years, but yeah, I couldn't even get a copy of it, yeah. which we we talked about. So we did. And that, that, <laughs> that's a loophole. I mean, that really yeah. should be. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, I love the mission that you all have too, and your goals. So you want to talk a little bit about that before we talk about the uh, the, the security breaches. Oh, sure. You know, our mission is to empower and and educate individuals so that they can learn ways to safeguard their privacy. Um, And we we do that by, as I mentioned, providing information on our website. Um, That's very practical, uh, but also gets into some some depth. 
uh, our materials, uh, sometimes people say this is too long, but we've developed, in, in addition to the lengthy guides, or anybody who wants to really dig into their privacy rights can read as much as they want to. Um, but also we have quick tips, which um, are, you know, are short, shortened versions that just get into the, the basics, just the key points. Um, so education is one, but also adv- advocacy. We have a two-part mission, education and advocacy. On the advocacy side, we work in the California legislature and and uh, and actually not in Congress. Um, California is such a leader and has been for a long time in pri- privacy policy, consumer mostly consumer oriented privacy policy, and it goes right back to our the, the state's constitution, which actually. Um, you know, mentions uh, privacy in Article One, Section One, and that's yeah. quite, un- quite unusual in, in all in all fifty states. And of course, there is no mention of privacy in the U.S. Constitution, although there's what's called a, a penumbra. You know, through several of the amendments, uh, the first, fourth, fifth, I think ninth and fourteenth amendments to the right. Bill of Rights, but there's no word one word privacy. Well, in California's Constitution, there is. So there's a lot to be done here in California, and a lot that has been and is being done in terms of good privacy legislation. And we have been working in the legislature since, I think, 1999. Um, we, uh, we go t- together with some other organizations, and, and we have a wonderful lobbyist. I know that word is, some people think it's a dirty word, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, you know, I like the word advocate better. Right, right. It really is an advocate for consumer privacy. Um, and, uh, you know, California has a year-long legislative session. It's one of the few states that actually is in session most of the year. Most other states in the nation have actually very short sessions, and some of them only meet every other year. Of course, California is huge, and there are so many issues. I think the legislators at the beginning of the year have something like 2,000 bills to consider, which is it's really impossible. But uh, it's with such a big state, and so much, you know, so many issues to cover, um, it, it really needs to be a full-time legislature, which it is. And, you know, I, I think it's so important that you have this lobbyist because you and I have actually testified together in California, and yeah. you see all of the businesses and the credit bureaus and the banks, they've got their lobbyists, and if you don't have somebody there to speak up for consumers, They'd never get anything done. So yeah, that's and, right. and that's really so. I don't think it's a dirty word. I think it's you know, this is really something that we have to have. And um, you know, I when you talk about that, California really leads the way in privacy, mm-hmm. and that is really true. And I have to attribute it to the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse because you, your organization was around way before many of the others. Before we had the Office of Privacy Protection, before we had the Attorney General's Office. Office taking um, a lead in privacy. It was really the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. So I, my hat goes off to you because I know from all those years since I've known you since 1996, I know all the incredible work that the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse has done. And I also wanted to say that that for me, looking and sending people to your website is so important because I like that you have the law in there that people can look it up. And I like that it's comprehensive because if you just, I mean, the tips is great, you know, if you're, if you don't have a problem, but when you have a medical 
identity theft problem, or you've got a criminal identity theft problem, or you've got some other issue, some other privacy issue going on, you don't want just, uh, you know, a broad brush. You want to get in there and get that stuff. And I don't know of any other place that has what you have. Oh, well, thank, thank you, Mari. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know this about me, but I, I was a librarian before I got into my current work. And I, I worked for many, many years, actually in the state of Montana. Um, and a lot of my kind of philosophy and values about the, the way that we present information comes from my background in librarianship. Yeah, yeah. And that's good because you can you could either look and everything is so organized, you know, you've got one, two, three, four and head notes. So if you want the broad brush, you can just look at the broad brush. But if you want to look deeper, you can get in there. And I think that's why I refer your website all the time. And everything is free, guys. You know, everything on there is free. Well, if, thank you, Mari. Yeah, so that's really important. So, yeah, and I'm not getting paid to do this. So. <laughs> I, you know how I've been a strong supporter of you guys for many, oh, many, many, many years. Absolutely. And and so, so um, people need to keep that right as one of their favorites so that they can go there. Because so many things are happening um, in this administration that really are... Uh, is somewhat threatening a threat a threat to uh, our online privacy, and I know that you, you and I were just talking that recently you have some new information that's gone up on your website about uh, online privacy, right? Yeah, yeah. Our, our our recent blog. You can go to the section of of our website, which is named blogs, and uh, and read some of the tips that we have in in light of the fact that um, unfortunately the online privacy protection that was put into place last year by the Federal Communications Commission. It's called the Broadband Privacy or, or Internet Service Provider Privacies. They're one and the same. Um, anyway, it has been uh, basically undone uh, by the current administration. And so the the opt-in privacy that you know you're right to, to say right up front um, if a if if an internet service provider uh, can sell your your web browsing history essentially to marketers and and others um, it used to be that that you would have to give permission right off the bat in other words opt-in right. that has now that has now been defeated and that no longer exists so we've we've written a blog post on things that consumers can do uh, to to protect their online privacy, but we also put in that this is not a hundred. You know, the tips that we provide, it's not a hundred percent solution, which is very, very sad. But if you are interested in protecting your online privacy, especially in light of of the, the fairly recent overturning of those really good rules from the Federal Communications Commission, you can you can go to the blog section of our website. See, that's why I just love all the work that you do. <laughs> that's exactly. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm already starting to like delete all my my browsing history, and I'm going to have yeah. to look at your tips because that's that's what I do now to uh, to at least try and protect myself a little bit. But who knows, you know? Well, my my guess is you probably are doing a pr- a really good job now, but you might they might find a couple new things, Mari. I'm sure I will. I always do. <laughs> Okay, so let's get down to talk about these data breaches, which we're seeing more 
I mean, it's not getting that much better, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, we started tracking data breaches back in 2005, the very same year that you started Privacy Piracy. Right. And, and we have actually a huge database on our website. It's kind of the, the, the database that ate our website. But um, it, it's, it's our chronology of data breaches, and we write, a, you know, a small um, description of the, uh, the breach, you know, which sector is it in? Is it medical, government, education? Um, retail, and, and then uh, and then we code it by uh, type of breach. Is it hacking? Is it a lost USB drive? And then you can. Uh, it's also arranged by chronologically by year, so you can go in there and let's just say that you're, you know, you're maybe the chief privacy officer or the chief security officer of a a healthcare facility. Uh, if you want to see what sorts of breaches there have been um, of healthcare. Uh, institutions, and there have been a lot, and they've been pretty awful, you can actually go in and plug in these variables and just print out a list of the types of breaches, um, you know, that, that meet your needs or, or, or that match your interest. Um, so that, you know, that's a big part of what we do. Um, and I and just want to say something. That is such a great thing to do because if they can be aware of the kinds of breaches that are going on, bring it back to their IT people and... Exactly. and and yeah. take some affirmative, positive action to try and prevent this. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, you know, you would think, given the headlines and the news stories that and everything we've learned about breaches, you know, the fact that there are so many, and so many companies get really quite, quite the public relations black eye. So you would think that they would take more steps to keep breaches from happening, and um, but that just doesn't seem to be happening, and it, it's kind of dismaying to me, to, yeah. be, to be honest. Um, I mean, I, I do know that in many instances there's really nothing you can do to uh, stop a breach. I mean, the, it's, it's a cat and mouse game, right? Um, right. And uh, you know, do your best and spend all kinds of money on it. You may still be breached, especially if it's a dishonest insider. Right. You know, there's right. really not a lot you can do there, or a careless. Insider or, or careless, yes, that's true. Yeah. You, you can do things about that, but if you've got a dishonest somebody who's got a gripe or uh, wants just, money, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's you know you can't you you cannot. In fact, well, I, what I like to say is just expect that you're going to be breached. Yeah, and you know, and one, one of the tips that we give is for everyone, every every type of organization, from you know a large corporation to a small business to an educational institution. Uh, nonprofits, whatever, you really need a data breach response plan. And um, it's a lot of work, and it takes a lot of time and planning, but if you've got a decent data breach response plan, when you learn that you've been breached, you hit the ground running. And there have been studies that show that consumers, those who've been affected by the breach, are less likely to think ill of that breached company or, or breached educational institution if they basically respond immediately or as close to immediately as they can um, with, uh, you know, with... Um, uh, with Contacting, with yeah, but yeah, with strategies strateg to, to fix it with law enforcement. Yeah, yeah, information and strategies yeah. that are available to the affected people right away that they don't harbor, you know, the, a long-term grudge and move on to some other company um, as much as if, if the company had been ill-prepared for the breach. So getting that, you know, data, data breach response plan is so important. Um, there's a, a good guide on the Internet. It's from the Online Trust Alliance, 
And uh, it's actually quite lengthy, but it gets into a lot of detail. I just recommend that anybody in, in, a, in, the, in the position, say, of an IT person or a chief privacy or chief security officer, take a look at that online Trust Alliance um, data breach response plan. And basically, just about everything you need to know is right there. And it, it's on the Internet. You can just look up, you know, online Trust Alliance or da- data breach response plan, and you'll find it. Yeah. And, you know, um, there are certain things that we can talk about, general things that we can talk about where organizations should be doing better and could be doing better. You want to me- mention some of those? Yeah. Um, well, first off, you know, you need a culture uh, of privacy, a culture of security. And that, you know, that, as, as they always say, the culture stops, starts from the top. Right. And, and that's so important. Um, a key weakness, weakness, I think, is not um, training uh, staff enough. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't be just once a year or it shouldn't just be when you've got a new employee or a new, a new volunteer. It should be really all of the time. You know, find those teachable moments and train um, about uh, everyday security practices, everyday privacy practices. Um, so uh, one, of the, one of the weaknesses that I've seen uh, just in reading these breach uh, descriptions on our website and following it is that uh, today what's happening with breaches is uh, the use of social engineering or phishing right. to, to get key information out of, say, the, the head of IT or, you know, somebody in, in, in the privacy office or, or somebody close to the, to the, the, the chief executive. But um, a big one has been getting the W-2s of all of the employees, you know, through a very legitimate-looking email that says, hey, uh, so-and-so, uh, you know, ch- chief, uh, chief IT person, um, I just got word from CEO Smith that he needs to see all of the W-2s <laughs> for every employee and needs to see them right away. So, you know... <laughs> This is, you know, read read about it. W-2s and and breaches, any of them, and they fall for it. Mm. So there has to be training on social engineering. There has to be training on phishing. And, uh, you know, not necessarily easy to do, but because the bad guys are really so good at it. Yeah. They've really become quite good at this social engineering. You know, it used to be that there would be, um, um, you know, bad grammar, because they they probably are from from another country. You know, their, their use of the English language is not always the best. There's misspellings, um, but they're getting better at it. In fact, these social engineering pitches have become so good that they really, most of them look quite legitimate. So training on how to detect these is so important. Exactly. And you know, I know you always talk about encryption too, and we know that the California law has that, that, you know, the, the stick and the carrot, you know, that if you encrypt then you don't have to really, uh, you know, disclose as much. So right. that that's a that's the 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 carrot, and the stick is if you don't encrypt. But you know, I got to tell you, it just drives me nuts. Um, I I had my accountant this year sent me my own <laughs> my own tax return unencrypted to me in an email, yeah. and and I know I have clients from other attorneys that they'll send me a ten ninety nine. Or a loan application unencrypted. So I mean, this this just drives me nuts. It's so easy to encrypt. 
but that you know, there's is. no reason at all that people aren't doing it. Well, I agree, and I think it, it, this teaching the accountants of the future, teaching the business managers of the future when they're when they're getting their MBA or they're getting you know their degree in business, there should be a class on on information handling practices. Um, you know, there should be something in the educational stream that gets into this is how you handle customer information, especially when that information is is uh, sensitive. And yep. of course, you know, anybody who's going into business, you're, you're going to have employees, and those employees have social security numbers. Um, you're going to have customers, and you know, in many businesses, you're handling a great deal of sensitive information. Really, there needs to be, I think, better education. Well, that's a job these, for you. I think you issues. should. I think you should start teaching at University of California in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> in the MBA program, that's right. that's what I'm I'm going to tell you should be your next thing. Is if you didn't have enough time to do what you're doing, right. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about what what is actually um, you know the top emerging issue that consumers should be concerned about. What's coming up? Well, um, when I when I am asked that question, I I, I always mention facial recognition biometrics, mm, yeah. and so like when when you're required to give your fingerprint, you know what's going on because you and your figure fingers are involved. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you 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 can feel your finger on that pad or whatever it is that you're touching. Right. You see it being done, but facial recognition biometrics can be invisible to the individual. It can be done. Uh, without the person's knowledge. Right. And just to mention, just what facial recognition biometrics is, is the unique geometry of your face. And it's everybody has as unique a facial geometry as they do a, a unique fingerprint. And um, this technology has become quite advanced in recent years, and the accuracy of identification is now actually quite high. So I have concerns, you know, in two, two levels. One is the civil liberties level, and the other is the consumer privacy level. Um, you know, let's just say that you were out marching in the streets, you know, a public demonstration or a rally, or perhaps a huge gathering, say, on campus. It could, it could be possible to identify all of those in attendance um, when many, if not most of them, are likely to believe that they've been demonstrating anonymously. So, you know, that's one use of facial recognition that really um, concerns me a great deal. Uh, on the commercial side, uh, facial recognition can be used by retailers, for example, to I identify shoppers and to use detailed data about them to target them with highly specific ads. Now, there's kind of two ways that facial recognition can be done you know, in the in the marketplace, you know, by at retailers, and one is just you're just identifying the gender and the approximate age and the race, uh, but you're not uh, identifying um, the person by name. Uh, and then the other, of course, is to be able to identify with use the use of a database that you have uh, that person's facial features with their identity. Um, what, what I'm concerned about is that this is all going to be developed with without much transparency, and people really do need to know what's going on with this. Um, I think if you look, you know, when you're entering, say, a department store or when I go and get go to the pharmacy, there's a little picture of a video camera on the outside wall that says, mm. you know, video cameras in use here. I, I think there needs to be something that lets people know what's going on and, and gives them some rights about it. Yeah, I don't know if they'd have any choice because it's in the public place. I know, yeah. And, you know what I mean? I don't know. I know what that, you mean. Uh, and, and, you know, and how about everybody in including me, putting stuff up on Facebook or LinkedIn. 
You know, we yeah. have our own pictures up there that that also could be used, right? It could be. And, you know, Facebook has very advanced use of, bio, of facial recognition biometrics as well. Um, they've been fairly careful with it, but um, they could just change their policies. And, and uh, you know, when, they, when they're able to match, let's say you've got a group photo on your page, and, and they can go in, and if, if people in that photo are also Facebook users, they can be identified as well. And they may not want to be. Right. So, uh, you know, so that, what that, do we do? I mean, it, it, it's. I remember you talking about the um, the story about the <laughs> the frog in the cold water. I love oh, yeah. that. Tell that story because I think people could start to understand because people just you know are so complacent. Tell that story about the frog oh, in the yeah, water. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to describe what's happening in terms of privacy and our lives, or uh, privacy uh, violations and abuses in our lives. Well, a frog. If you you've got a live frog and you toss it into <laughs> A, a pot of hot water, that frog will jump out immediately right. and will save itself. It will not be hurt. Right. If you put that frog into cold water and put that pot you know, on, the, on the stove and heat it up very, very slowly and it gets warmer and warmer and warmer, the frog does not detect the increasing warmth of the water. And when it gets to the really hot and boiling stage, the frog dies. But it doesn't notice the gradual increase. And and that's what's been happening with us. I do think there have been some, for the the Edward Snowden situation, Mm. was a big-up call, and that was kind of like... Oh, you know the. Well, I guess I'm. I, I can't really follow up on the on the frog story, but it was, it was like a. Uh, a, a well, it was like throwing us into the hot water. It kind of woke <laughs> us up. <laughs> woke us up. That's right. Woke a lot of people up, and I, I think also the um, the loss of, of online privacy with with the um, uh, the FCC. Uh, yeah, the, the death of our online privacy rules. Just yes. recently. I yeah. think that has also been a big wake up call. There've been a lot of articles. In, in the news and, and on television news uh, about the loss of privacy from this, this particular congressional action. Well, we are just out of time. Would you believe that? We, we could always no. go on forever and ever, but this is a good reason for those who are listening to go to privacyrights.org and see all of these blogs and all of the help sheets, the guides, and just ask questions about your concerns because the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse will do everything they can to answer and assist us as consumers. We are out of time. Beth, you are wonderful. Thank you, Mari. My pleasure. Okay, we will have you back again. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. On the web, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.